Welcome to the Pole Art Vault's podcast show. I'm Chloe, your host of the show and the founder of the Pole Art Vault. This is your podcast where we talk about pole art, pole dance, personal development, and improving your mindset. Before we dive in, remember you can find the video version of this episode along with other free tips and Q&As on our website at poleartvault.com or on our Pole Art Vault YouTube channel. Welcome to the seventh episode of the podcast show where we talk about everything and anything pole dancing, pole art, pole sport, pole fitness, everything pole related. I'm your host Chloe and we have a very special guest for this show today. Miss Lorna Shadow! <laughs> so she is a um, chiropractor, she's a pole instructor, she owns a chiropractor called the Chiroco in Burwood, Sydney. And she instructs at three studios? Is it was three? two, now just one. Oh, I'm okay. Studio okay, you, you're going to have to let me know that. Then. Okay, well, she's, sorry. she's at one studio. So Sydney Pole? Yes. Yeah, so she, she's an instructor at Sydney Pole. She is a fur, fur owner, fur baby. Fur no, mama. Fur mama, that's fur mama. it. <laughs> fur, mama, fur mama to pebbles as well. And she is also a current APC state champion, finalist of pole classic in Las Vegas, two-time MPDA competitor, and second in MPD New South Wales. Please welcome Lorna. Thank you so much for having me. No, thanks for coming. I'm super excited because we were just talking how I feel like a lot of your students and also like your followers on like your social media platforms and stuff would be really interesting, interested to get to know you on like a deeper level. And I feel like you have like such an interesting life and a lot of people would like attest to this as well. Potentially, so. I think people say that. I don't know. I wonder if all the interestingness is already out there and there's not a lot of interesting left. I'm not certain. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of interesting. There's, there's a lot of like Netflix and just relaxing. Yeah. No, but I feel like. You know, all that surface stuff, there's obviously like a deeper level to it that yeah. people would love to get to know. So, <laughs> how are you? How's everything? So like, Good. you need to let me know like what's going on with like you instructing. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I'm good. Things are going really well. I'm super busy. My, um, my clinic is going really, really well. It's probably my like biggest passion and driver. So it's, everything's going really, really well with that. Um, I'm, my instructing's going really well. I absolutely love instructing. It's something that I have always wanted to do ever since I started pole. Um, and I, yeah, I, I love it so much. I love my students. I enjoy going every time I teach, I have a great time. So mm. I feel like it's always something that I love doing and that never changes. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, I was aware last time I saw you that we were, I think you were instructing at like, I think you were instructing like two or three different studios. Two studios. Two studios. So Love Pole and Sydney Pole. Yep. So you're only instructing at Sydney Pole. Yeah. So now it's only Sydney Pole. So I'm only instructing two days a week. Now? Okay. Um, And then I'm just at clinic pretty much every other day. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you've been very, very busy. Definitely. Yeah. It's good. Like, I think it's also really important to have your, like, personal life and, like, work-life balance. Yeah. And having said that, you obviously said that, like, you're a firm mama to your pebbles. You've got your lovers as well. I do. So, can we talk about that? We can. We can. Leave <laughs> the elephant in the room. So, yes, we can talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, I, um, I have my pebbles. My, my little baby. Um, <laughs> and then my husband. Um, we've been married for coming up to four years now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it, time flies. It's very yeah. It's our anniversary, I think, like in like 10 days or something like that. Very, oh, very, wow. yeah, very soon. Um, and we've been together for like eight and a half years total. Um, and then we have Alana, our partner, who most people, I mean, I feel like anyone that knows me knows Alana. She's kind of like there all the time. <laughs> um, you know, She's, yeah, she's <laughs> part true. of me kind of thing. So she's like, actually both. here today behind the camera. Surprise. <laughs> um, surprise, surprise. So I, I feel like she really doesn't need much of an introduction. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so, and we've been with Alana for two years now. So it was actually our anniversary, like 
Four days ago. Three days ago. Oh yeah! Ago. Congratulations. Thank you. How exciting. Yeah. A lot of things happening this. A lot month. of things. We have a lot of anniversaries very, very, very close together. Mm. And then Valentine's Day. It's just. It's oh just yeah. There's a lot of gift giving and romance yeah. <laughs> things in. Oh, that's nice. It's nice. It is yeah. nice. It's nice. We're actually going away next weekend to sort of celebrate everything, which will be really nice. So oh. taking some time out, mm-hmm. which was actually sort of a New Year's resolution. I'm not big on New Year's resolutions because I mm-hmm. don't keep them. Yeah. Um, but my New Year's resolution was to take a little bit more time off work sometimes and just go away. Just like a long weekend, somewhere close by, but get out of Sydney, get away yeah. from work, like switch off all my work notifications yeah. and just like be away. Yeah, that is definitely nice. I think it's something I need. Mm, Yeah, for sure. My mental sanity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So tell me, like, how you met David. David was actually a patient, not a patient of mine, because that would be very illegal in the health professional (laughs) world. Um, He, I used to work at a Cairo before I was a Cairo. So um, the job actually probably changed the entire trajectory of my life. Um, I was studying health science and occupational therapy. Um, and I got a job at a Cairo because it was within a health realm. I was the receptionist and David was a patient. Mm. And so he kind of chased me a little bit. Um, and through that, um, that's how we got together. And then I also changed what I was studying and decided to study Cairo instead. Um, so yeah, through that job, it changed the really, really big factors of my life, I think. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was all very cute. He, like, bought food and, like, just very cute little things. Oh, that's It was was nice. It was really nice. It was very nice. So you've been dating – because you say you were married for – you've been married for four years. Yeah. So you were dating for about four years. Yeah, we were dating for about four years, I think four and a half years before we got married. Mm. Um, Because I was quite young when we met. I think I was – I think I was 18 when we met. I was 19 when we started dating. Right. Um, So, yeah, like we weren't sort of in a huge rush to get married, Mm -hmm. I guess. I think a lot of people found like we had about a two year engagement, which a lot of people found very strange. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's a long engagement, mm. which I, yeah, I think um, compared to like the norm, cause I think people are engaged for like a year. Yeah. I can't imagine planning a wedding in a year, but uh, <laughs> people do. Yeah. Well, I guess that's why people get really stressed out. Right? Yeah. Well, and I was studying full time as well and mm. working, I think probably three jobs at the time. So the idea of planning a wedding in a year with all of that was just way too much. Mm. So, and you did get married really early. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was 24. No, mm. I must have been tw- no I was 23 because I'm not 28 now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, I was 23. Mm. So yeah, I was quite young. Very young, especially I feel like in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. I think because like I was with my boyfriend before David for quite a long time. Like we lived together. We moved to Sydney together and lived together. So I kind of knew everything I didn't want in a partner Mm. already. So I didn't feel like I kind of needed to, I guess, spend too much time or like wait until I was older, I guess. I feel like I kind of knew. Mm. Um, so yeah, I guess we just sort of, why not? I also did say to David, I'm like, if we're not married before I graduate my master's, I will be practicing in my maiden name. Cause I, I don't want, I said, I don't want both my like qualifications and registration to be in my maiden name. And then we get married and oh. then I have to try and change everything over. My certificates on my wall are confusing enough because Everyone knows me as Lorna Shadow and they come in to see Lorna and then on the wall it says Lauren and then some of them have my maiden name and some of them have my married name. So it's a very confusing situation as it is. Oh, okay. So I think, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair so, enough. What was the proposal like? It was actually really lame. It was um, cute, very, very cute. Um, so he, I think David knows that I find out most things. Like I'm very bad at not investigating things yeah so I think he assumed if he waited too long I would find out so he had this grand plan 
And then he realized that the second he took me to this place, I would know exactly what was going to happen. So he proposed at home instead. So he was, it was actually the day of my first ever pole competition. Um, and he, I was very nervous. Like in the lead up the days before I was like, I should pull out. I don't want to do this. Why did I enter? Very, very nervous. So I think he figured that if he proposed sort of nothing else would matter on the day, which is true. It didn't. Like Mm -hmm. I sort of went into this competition, into my routine being like, oh, well, if I fall off the pole, it doesn't really matter. I just got engaged. Like I didn't really, (laughs) you know, nothing could really make the day worse. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was super simple. It was, um, yeah, we were just at home. I, I think I was like midway through doing something and I just walked out into the lounge room and he just dropped to one knee and I cried (gasps) that whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, oh, so it was a lot of tears. It was it was sweet. It was really sweet. <laughs> so it was very unexpected, which I think was his plan was to sort of catch me off guard so that I didn't expect it, which I absolutely didn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was nice. It was really nice. Oh, oh my god, that's so sweet. <laughs> so you guys obviously got married after that, the, after the two years of engagement, yep. and then how did you meet Alana? Al- Alana was actually a student of mine. Um, at Love Pole, maybe four years ago, babe, you're the dates one. Yeah, yeah four, four years. Three. three or four years ago. <laughs> she's much better with dates. Yeah. Um, so she's just started off as a student. So she started taking my elite class and then we kind of just developed a friendship from there and we just became essentially like best friends. And we would do everything together. We would go on like Friday adventure day and we would like go on different walks or like hike to a waterfall and things like that. And obviously through that, David and Alana got to know each other. Mm -hmm. And then we did pole theater. And so when we did pole theater, there was so much prep. So this was our first pole theater routine. So we sang an entire song ourselves. So we rewrote the lyrics to Freaky Friday and we yeah. sung and rapped it. So we wrote the lyrics, we recorded it, we set it to backing music. So we made the whole song and then we made an entire projection line, like video to go with the routine. So it's safe to say it took a very long time. So that was all done at our house. So Alana was at our house most days. We have very similar schedules. She works mornings and nights and kind of so do I. So she was always at our house. And then I think things just kind of developed from there. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. There's not, it's, um, there's not, unfortunately, this like big romantic moment of like, we were just like, will you be our girlfriend? Like there wasn't any of that. It just uh-huh. kind of started. And then eventually we were like, are we in a relationship? I think we're in a relationship. Okay. We're in a relationship. Like it was just, yeah. I just kind of went that way. Okay. Which was kind of nice. Like, I don't think any of us were expecting that was uh-huh. what was going to happen. And that was where it took us. I'm so curious when you say, like, it, like, developed. Like, what do you mean by, like, developed? <laughs> so it started with a, with a sex thing. And then it ended up in a relationship thing. Okay. Do you so, want to get into the nitty gritty? <laughs> I hate getting into the nitty gritty because... I'm curious. I feel like I have to say it, but Alana loves when we do this, but the whole thing was my idea. Okay. Which she loves pushing in my face all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm loving it now too. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it just started off as like an experimental will be fun thing. And I guess logically really solid friendship, sex, it kind of, it either goes two ways. It goes disaster or relationship, generally speaking. So, right. Which we didn't predict at the time. We didn't think that that was going to be mm-hmm. the way that it went. Mm-hmm. But it did. Right. Obviously. And here we are now, two, two years later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think, like, I'm, I'm really thinking this now. And I think a lot of people will be thinking this as well. Because... I feel like being in like a three-way relationship is still out of the norm. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's very, it's like a new concept, I'd say. Yeah. So like, since you were married and Alana came into the picture, like what was the conversation you had with David like? 
David and I have always had very, very good open communication. Like mm-hmm. it was something we we speak about everything, like the whole sort of way. And so I guess there was a lot of, from my end, it was like, well, obviously I want this. Like this was my idea. Mm-hmm. But is this really like what you want? Are you happy? Or there was a lot of that, like kind of constantly. And there's been like a lot of bumps along the road. And, like, there was sort of a big, I call it, like, an intervention from my mum and my best friend where they were very, I guess, forceful in the idea that this was what I wanted but not what David wanted. And it took me a long time to convince them that David and I, we speak about it constantly. Like, there was no moment where we weren't speaking about this and it wasn't very much a joint decision. Um, But I think... For them, they just assumed that because on the surface, he gives me everything I want. Mm. But it's everything I want as in like, if I'm like, hey, babe, can I change the cushion covers? He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. If it's something he genuinely cares about and he has an opposing opinion to me, he will find me on stuff. But if he doesn't mind either way, then he just lets me have my way because why not? Mm. And I'm the same with him. So I think sort of, my mum views that, that he very much spoils me and gives me everything I want, which he does. And that's part of the reason why I love him. But I don't think she realizes that he will put his foot down. Like, for example, we have these stupid paintings and he wanted them for a long time and they were very expensive. And I, they're all right. They're all right. (laughs) They're paintings. They are not worth, in my opinion, what they're worth, but he really wanted them. And so we got the paintings. Like it was just, I was like, I really would just like a, you know, a a print of some greenery and some plants on the wall. And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Like it was a solid. So if he cares about something, he, he will say so. Um, so I think there was a lot of communication. Like I think this relationship has cemented even more so how well David and I communicate because essentially we had to like it could in you can see how it like it could have ended our marriage it was never going to because of how much communication and love there is but I can see how if it was different to that that it could have had a great impact so it was something that was communicated the entire way like from before it even started it was like oh this might be a good idea like maybe we should do this or and it just yeah Mm. the whole way through was communicated right so entering your marriage marriage with david yep. did you know that you wanted someone else in the picture no 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 not at all not oh. at all so it was you were very like him and i that's it no one else ever like yeah no it wasn't anything i ever thought of like we're both very very loyal people mm. um like Obviously, no one assumes their husband will cheat, but you always have, you have a friend where you kind of know that it might happen or the woman knows it might happen. Like there was none of that. There was no anything on either ends of that. And it's like that now in our relationship with the three of us, like there's three of us, but we're still closed. Like we're not open to anyone else. And it's the same thing. Like we are very loyal and protective of what we have in our three. And there's like in my mind and obviously David and Alana's as well. There's no question of like any issues. It's just the three of us. And so, yeah, that was always David and I, like I never thought there would be anything other than that. And then along came Alana and blew up the entire world as anyone. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> that is so, so interesting to me. Like I can't, you know, I guess it's always hard to see, a different world to like what you're living in. hundred percent. So like, it's so intriguing to me that like you were obviously in a very monogamous relationship and a marriage. And then, you know, you've gotten someone else in the picture and now, you know, obviously you, you, you're obviously very, very happy. Yeah. Which I'm so happy about as well. Cause I always see in your stories and (laughs) yeah, we do. It's nice. We do get a lot of like positive feedback from the pole world. Mm. And I think, we definitely live in a bubble and I know the rest of the world isn't like that. 
when it comes to sort of anything outside of like the societal norm of you get married, you have children, that, that sort of thing. Mm. And whereas I think pole is a lot different and it's a big thing I love about the pole world mm. is there's a sense of community and there's no real judgment. It, it, no one sort of, as long as no one's getting hurt, everyone's happy and supportive. And we, yeah, we've had so much like, love and support mm. from the pole world um, it hasn't been like that with the entire world. We've had a lot of, I guess, the opposite from circles outside of the pole world. But when it comes to like our close friends and our family and anyone in the pole world, it's really been pretty much overwhelming support, which has mm. been really nice. Mm. Really nice. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So like just, I guess like out of curiosity and also maybe to give a bit of like insight to like people that are, you know, I guess, like, interested in, like, a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what kind of, I guess, like, negative feedback, like, have you gotten in the past? This is, like, a whole <laughs> kettle of fish that we're opening. But, uh, I don't Okay, so this isn't something I've been super, like, public about, and it's not really for any, like, reason as such. It's just not something that I've kind of, I guess, felt the need to publicize but David has actually been out of like not working for a year and a half um because of really severe harassment he received from work regarding our relationship so there's been like huge negative impacts on our life from that side of things um like to the point where like he's severely mentally unwell and um like he so he was a police officer and he was fantastic at his job. Like he worked in, um, like he had a passion for working with children and um, he worked in like a squad that dealt with um, abuse against children. So he was really passionate about helping kids and that was, that was his really big like specialty, I guess. Um, so he was fantastic at his job, like so, so caring and really smart um, and it kind of just all started to spiral. Um, there was a sort of a big case at work as well. And then all of this sort of harassment from sort of, funnily enough, middle-aged women about our relationship. And so they were his bosses. And so they just kind of made his life absolute hell at work. And it just kind of went on and on. And on top of this other case that was very, very mismanaged, um, yeah, he ended up going off on psych leave. And he's now been on psych leave for a year and a half and he'll be getting medically discharged from the police force. It's sort of in, in the process. Um, so there's a lot of, there's been a lot of positivity, but there's this like gigantic negativity that like it's really drastically impacted his, like our lives, like to the point where there's been talk of whether he'll be able to work properly ever again, things like that. So it's, there's a lot of positivity in it, but there, there is also a big negativity. Um, and part of that's probably because we've been so open about everything. Like he, you know, didn't hide it from his work or anything like that, which he, looking back, probably should have. Should he have to? Absolutely not. And I guess that's where, that's why I love the pole world, because I don't feel like I have to. Like I can go to work and say who I am. And, you know, these are my partners and this is the way my life is. Take it or leave it. And no one cares. So I think, I guess for anyone that's going down that pathway, I guess, as sad as it is to say, there are some really horrible people out there. And I think you need to be kind of aware of who you speak to about certain things, particularly that people that are in power above you, I guess. And it shouldn't be that way. And I'm very lucky because I work for myself. So if someone doesn't like it, there's the door. I don't care. But when you don't, I guess, gauging how people feel before you tell people, which is a really sad thing to have to say to people. Like mm. it shouldn't, that shouldn't be a thing that I like that I have to tell people. But I guess that's the biggest negative that we've encountered. And it was quite huge. And I think for most people, it's not that bad. Um, I would like to hope that it's not that bad, but for us, it's been, there's, there's been a lot of negative that's come with an overwhelming amount of support and positivity as well. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of almost 
equally bad as it is good, unfortunately. It is, yeah, definitely really unfortunate that, you know, you just want to, when you really just want to be open and genuine and honest about who you are Mm -hmm. as a person and also giving that genuinity to other people as well, you know, because you would think that when you're giving something to someone, you'll get it back, but it's not necessarily. No, it's not always that. That's not always the case. Like I had a patient the other day who is a sex worker. And we were talking and she said the same thing about trying to find a line of being your authentic self and not caring about what other people think, but also kind of protecting yourself. Mm. And there is somewhere there a line. And I really appreciate and absolutely love people that are just unapologetically themselves. And it's like, this is how it is. Take it or leave it. I don't care. And I think I'm, Paul has helped me to become more and more and more like that. Mm. And same with owning my own business. I'm kind of like, no, well, if someone doesn't like my relationship, I don't care. Like, there'll be more patience. Like, I, I, I don't. Mm. I don't care. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, I think a lot of people aren't in that position to be super authentic about who they are, probably because they work in some sort of hierarchy or a very, I guess there's a lot of archaic systems in this country. So, yeah, I really think it's a fine line of finding, being authentically yourself. And that's what I absolutely love about Paul. Like I go into work and my students don't care. They support me. My bosses don't care. They support me. Like just like one time I was running late for work because I'm an idiot and I locked myself out of my office. (laughs) And Alana rescued me. And so I rang one of my bosses, Sydney Paul, and I was like, Hey, um, you know, can Alana do the class? Cause she's dropping me off and I feel really bad, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Oh, that's so lovely. Of course she can. Let me book her in right now. Like they don't, they don't care. They don't, they're not worried about it being bad for their business reputation or anything like that. They're just, they just let me do my thing. They're in full support and it's just really nice and refreshing to have that. Mm. And that's why I just, in my, like my personal life, I don't tolerate anything that isn't that. Like I only surround myself by supportive people Mm. and I'm probably living in a bubble, but it's a bubble that I love. So that's just kind of the way it is. It's just Mm. a bubble of positivity and I wouldn't want to change that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't see a point of changing it either. Like why would you want to be around people that don't have the same values that aren't positive as you are, that's, you know? That's how I feel, exactly. And mm. I'm very big on, like, I totally understand for people that our relationship system is so different and it might not be to some people's values and that's also totally fine. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's when people judge us for the differences, that's the problem that I have. Like, I don't care what, as long as what other people do isn't hurting anyone else, I don't care what other people do and I don't feel like they should care what I do. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I love the poll world because it's it's so that that no one judges. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I love it. I I totally agree with you. I think with the poll world and especially, I guess it's also because it's like such a new, I guess, hobby or sport or art form or whatever you want to call it, that people are less judgmental like the base of it is just less judgment because there's a lot of people that are willing to do new things yes definitely and And Paul is new it is and I think it's very sort of progressive as like a society or community Mm. and I think it's that too it is a community so everyone wants to support each other despite the differences Mm -hmm. which I love Mm. Because, like, everyone comes from, like, such diverse backgrounds, like, even with, like, jobs, yeah. culture, you know, even, like, age, sex. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter, you yeah. know. We've got people that are, like, doctors to, like, you know, like, people that are, like, engineering, like, civil engineering. And it's just, like, the background is so diverse and so interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And things you just wouldn't pick. No. Either. Like, one of my students who I've been teaching quite a long time and the other day I was like what is it for work and she's like oh, I'm studying my PhD and I was like that's amazing like that's what like what an incredible thing to be doing and there's just so many incredible people in the pole world doing really incredible things outside of the pole world that we don't necessarily know about as well which mm. is really cool yeah 
I love that. Yeah. And I just like I love the fact that like no one's just like judgmental and like you know as you said I think it is really important to like surround yourself with people that are really positive and like what's the point of being around people that are negative you know? Yeah, I don't want to be around people that bring me down. No, definitely not. So like if you were to like give advice to like people that are like just starting off like pole and maybe they feel like they're in a place where they feel like they're not accepted or they're not I mean they're different mm -hmm. from society like what would you say to people like that welcome to the pole world <laughs> we are all not all a lot of us are very different from the rest of society and I think that's what makes us such an amazing community is that we are all so different so diverse we have so many different cultural backgrounds and perspectives on things and everyone is so open-minded and inclusive that it doesn't matter. Like you might not fit in the standard society mold, but I feel like pole breaks that mold a lot. And I think that's the place for you. Like if, if you don't feel like you fit in and you want to have a sense of community, pole is the greatest way to do that. Like it's, I feel like, most of my life now is pole. Like it, my friends, my, my students, my business, it's just shaped my entire life and for, like, for the better, for so much better. So yeah, for anyone thinking of starting pole, do it. Mm. It's, yeah, it's more than just a sport. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that, well, I guess initially there's a lot of skepticism you know going into pole then there might be a lot of different things like how you said you know people might be working in a, like a very hierarchical um job or you know a community or like environment or they might just be be like oh I'm, i feel like i'm not strong enough to do it or mm -hmm. not flexible enough to do it yeah so like what would you like how would you break down like getting into pole and like how would you say to those people that want to like join now? I think it is, it is a process. Like you see these people that like in the pole world that are amazing and they're so authentically themselves and they're amazing at pole and they've achieved all these things. But you've got to remember that that was a process too. They started out likely where you're starting out. Like that's how I started. I started unflexible. I couldn't touch my toes. I had no muscle. I don't even think I could do a push-up. I didn't have like a fitness background. I'd like been in and out of the gym because I should go to the gym and I wanted to be skinny kind of thing, but I'd never lifted any weights. I'd never really danced. I, I hadn't done really anything, but I started pole kind of by accident and I never looked back. I didn't, you don't need to be strong. You don't need to be flexible. You don't even need to be confident to start. Like I remember when I started to get to a level and they were like, okay, you need to take your shirts off. Like you need to wear crop tops because you need side grip. And I was like, what? Like you, you, you want me to take my shirt off and just dance in a crop top? And now I'm like, what's a, what's a shirt? Like what? I have to wear a shirt. I don't want to go there. I'm not interested if I have to wear a shirt. So I think, it's, it's a progression. It's a timeline. You don't have to be, you don't have to look at someone, say me, for example, and go, oh, okay, she wears really skimpy polo clothes, but I couldn't wear that. So I can't pole. I didn't when I started. You don't have to be like anyone that you see to start. And you also don't have to become like anyone you see. There are so many different ways to pole as well. So I found that was my path. Like initially, I was very, I'm not sexy. I, I don't want to do sexy pole because that's not my style. I don't think I'm going to look good. I think I'm going to look stupid. I don't want to wear shoes. I can't wear heels, all of these things. And now it's kind of the only pole I do. I think I've competed once in Buffy mm -hmm. and probably 30 times in shoes. I don't even know how many comps I've done. And your, your path can change. You can have an idea of where you think you're going and it pole will change that and throw your curveballs and things will change, but you don't have to be like what you see to start. 
Mm. Because I I am not anything like me seven years ago when I started pole. Absolutely nothing like that. And if I if I seven years ago looked at myself now, I wouldn't have thought that this is where I would be in seven years either. Mm. So I think you just have to take the plunge. If it's something you want to do, do it. And all the rest will come. The strength, the confidence, the flexibility, it will all come. Oh my god, that is such a that's such a great message. Yeah, definitely. I feel like a lot of people feel intimidated by, you know, it's instructors especially yeah, because yep. people are like, oh my god, like she's amazing, like she's so flawless, like this is definitely not for me. Like I'm, I can never be that like that. But yeah. I guess people don't see all the backstory and like all the work that you've actually put in. That's the thing too. I think that you've hit the nail on the head. It's not even what you see on Instagram. It's not real. Even then, like you, if you look at me on Instagram versus you look at me teaching a class, even it's very different. And then you take from teaching a class to training and it's a whole different world of it's, it's completely different pole. So what I put on Instagram, if it's a, if it's a combo that I find easy, yeah, it might be the first take. I might do it once. Chances are, if it's something I'm working on, I did that video 10 times and I picked the best, the best video. And that, you know, that might be a best case scenario. The other day I saw something from Miss Philly and I was like, okay, looks really hard. I'm going to try. And Alana was at work and I was like, David, can you spot me? So if I, if it's something I need a spot with, we know it's already, it's already hard. People just think you just get these things. And I was convincing my husband to hold my bum up in the air so I could try and do this thing. I reckon I did it at least 50 times. Once I sort of half kind of got it one time out of 50. And even then I was at home. I ran out of height. I did a flip and landed this far from my face from the floor. Like it after 50 attempts and then I gave up so I think it's not all what you see on social media or even in class and my students are always like oh my god you're so amazing you do this so well I'm like yeah but it's my job I know how to do this this trick I can do in my sleep I've taught it a hundred times before you've never done it you can't expect that what you do in this class today is going to equal what I I'm doing because I've done it so many times and you can't compare that. Mm, It's a completely different journey. So I think, and I can totally understand, but I think students don't realize that I I was in their shoes once upon a time too, thinking the exact same thing, thinking the instructor's amazing. I'm never going to be like that. Mm. But again, it's because they're teaching you something. If they're teaching it, You'd want to hope they can do it bloody well. And if they can't, they probably shouldn't be teaching it. So it's, it's, in a, it's a different path in the journey. Like you might get just as good at the things that I'm teaching you as I now am. But it won't be today. It will be across your journey. You might get better at it. Mm. And I, I think people, rightfully so, but they struggle to see that. Even I'm the same. Like I look at people like Philly and Gracie and all these amazing pole dancers like Beth Finlay doing 10,000 backflips up the pole. And I'm like, I could never do that because I wasn't a gymnast. But the fact is I probably can if I work towards it. And again, her journey has been different to mine. And when I get to that point in my journey, I might be able to do 10 backflips down the pole. But right now I can't. Mm -hmm. And that's also okay. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's hard, but when you're comparing yourself to other people on social media or even your instructor in class, you almost need to take a step back and realize all that goes on behind it. Mm, Definitely. Or even comparing yourself to other students in class. Like I know I personally progressed quickly in pole, but it wasn't because I was naturally really good and I did pole once a week and I was amazing in a year. It was because I bought a pole from home I taught myself as well as taking classes and I trained five or six days a week mm. from pretty much the get-go. So I polled five or six days a week for the first few years. So I think that 
my, the amount of hours I put into poll in the first year probably equaled the amount of hours the average person puts in in like four or five years. Mm. So it's it also can't be compared. Like I think a lot of other students were like, oh, why am I not as good as she is? Mm. Or like I had people that I was learning with that I now teach and they make jokes about that as well. But the fact is it's because of the, the time that I put in as well. It's so you can't, you can't compare that. Like, even though you might have been polling for the same amount of time, it doesn't mean you've put the same amount of time in. You might be busier. You might not have as much time to dedicate. You just really can't compare yourself to someone that you think is better than you because it's just so different. Your journey is so different. Mm, Definitely. And having said that, that's why I love your, like, I guess you as a person as well, but also like your social media presence too, because... I feel like you're just so authentically yourself and you're not shy to like post or like your fail videos <laughs> and like you're just your life as well just sharing about your life yeah. and like you know how you're how David is spotting you and like he's just biting <laughs> your bum and you know just all that and I think that's how people yeah. connect to you yeah not just on your surface level but on an emotional level as well yeah yeah and I like I, that's I'm really big on that like I don't I totally understand that Instagram is a highlights reel. Like, as I said, I haven't put on Instagram all the stuff about David and his work and all that sort of stuff because I do understand it is somewhat a highlights reel, but I don't want to make it a fake highlights reel either. Like Mm. I might not necessarily air every single problem I have in my life, but posting my fails, showing my training and the fact that it might take 50 attempts to get something I think adds a lot of value for other people. Like certain personal problems, me airing doesn't add any value for anyone. But I feel like if I show those things, like David spotting me, me failing, me falling, how many times I have to try something, it shows, I guess, a sense of realness that people forget is there because it's through a screen. And when it's all perfect, I don't think people view you as a real person almost. Like, I feel that way about a lot of, like, Instagram influencers, for example. Like, they're almost not – they are real people when you take a step back. But on, like, a scrolling level, you don't kind of associate that instantly in your mind and you just think it's so unattainable. And I don't like projecting that. Mm, definitely. I love, like, all your fail videos so, <laughs> so many much. of them. I think it's the best. <laughs> I think those are like the best. Yeah. Like you and Alana doing all these like acro stuff, um, falling over and <laughs> Yeah. I actually don't know, that reminds me, we have a video in the vault. I don't know if we ever put it up and we were doing an acro move and it was a counterbalance. So like one of us our whole body is essentially in a plank and the other one's on the top, but there's no feet on the ground for either person. So one like my arms were balancing both Alana and I in the air and I stuffed up somehow and bent my arms and Alana's bum was essentially on my head and she was laying like across my back in the air and I bent my arms and fell flat on my face so my like some of my body weight and her entire body weight like I landed face first lucky we were on the grass at my parents house but I landed face first on the grass like on my nose I bent my glasses (gasps) I was fine. I was fine. I think my face was like a tiny bit bruised, but like, yeah, literally face planted with the weight of like her whole body and half my body. (laughs) Oh my word. That's crazy. I don't know. Did we ever put the video up? No. Okay. Maybe I'll have to fish that out and, um, and pop that up. Cause yeah, it was, it was a time. So it's safe to say there's a lot of fails and I would, I don't know for certain, but all of the pole dancers, like the elite pole dancers I've ever trained with, it's exactly the same. Like they might not necessarily put that on Instagram, but there's also a lot of fails. Mm. Maybe not as dramatic as ours, but there's always, they, they don't get things. No one gets thing, everything the first time. So I think it's hard to see because not a lot of people do post those kind of things, mm. but it happens to everyone. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're, I love the point you said that, like it adds value to people. And I think a lot of people 
are, I guess, kind of like shy or like they don't want people to think that they're failing. I'm not saying like everyone's like that, but like, you know, some some people people would be, you know, afraid to show that they're not good at something, especially when you get to like a level of, I guess, your skill or your expertise where you feel like you need to be professional or like you have to present yourself a certain way. It's even harder to show that. Yeah. But I think that's what I love about you. Like, you're not afraid to, you know, show your fails. You're not afraid to show show who you are, like, as a genuine person. And I think that's probably because that's, like, the culture I've always, I guess, shown. Like, I've harbored that in, like, my followers and my students and things like that. Like, sometimes I'll demo something in class and I'll fail. And I think everyone actually loves it more than when I get a move. Like, if I am demoing something and I stack it or I can't do it, the class loves it. And they're like, oh my God, okay, you find it hard too. And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> like, you know, it, it doesn't have necessarily happen in lower level classes, but if I'm teaching something in elite and for some reason I stack and everyone loves that. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think it just adds value to the entire class and the mood and the vibe and everything like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's something I like projecting and I like it in other people. Like your fail videos are the best because you edit them. They're so good. And you like zoom and there's slow-mo and like sometimes I do that, but I'm very lazy and I often can't be bothered, but yeah, it does take a lot of it time. Does. It does. I've done it once or twice before, yeah. but yours are amazing because they're so well edited. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> well, again, I think that's also part of, you know, showing your authentic self as well, because as you said, social media could be a ve- like a space where you feel like you need to, you know, um, I guess showcase who you are as a person. And oftentimes it is human nature to want to look perfect yes. or like you want to present yourself the best way possible like not in a malicious way or like any bad way it's just na- in like human nature to want to look good right mm, of course of yeah 100% so I think the fact that you can show your other side is and can play in your strengths as well to be able to be like look I'm human you know I'm I'm like like literally one 10 million other people like we're all the same I'm not a perfect dancer where I literally came from a place of like, oh, like I, I was able to do a, a, a Aisha like on my first date. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing I think. And no one really is like that. No, never. But yeah, I think it's human nature to seek gratification from others. And I think the way in which we do that is through projecting that we're very good at something. Because naturally you're very good at something and then people praise you for that and you get that instant gratification that is social media. That is the entire concept of social media is instant gratification and likes and comments and things like that. And I think it is hard to sort of take a step back from that and realize that it doesn't have to be gratification because you're perfect. Like it can be, people can still... You can still project a non-perfect self and I guess still get that instant gratification because you get appreciation from people for being authentic. Mm -hmm. In terms of like um, poll, um, I guess like tricks or like just inspiration in general, Mm -hmm. where do you get inspiration from? Currently. Yeah. Or like um, who's your like poll mama and like, like what was the like real progression like? I feel, okay. So when I first, started pole it was probably maddie and shimmy yeah um they were probably my sort of first pole idols and dirty birdie so i don't know it's probably before your pole time when i first started i think it was a long actually a lot before i started but there were still videos on youtube of dirty birdie teaching things in her garage and she had this black and white checkered floor and it was just quite like, I just, I don't Whoa. know, I just vividly remember. It was just really like iconic. I just vividly remember it. And there were these videos on YouTube of her teaching random like outside leg hang and all these things. And because I sort of self-taught and back then there wasn't online platforms, like 
pole art vault and all those other things. It was not, it was YouTube and watch a YouTube video. Instagram was barely a thing. So yeah, I, I think I did quite a lot of her sort of like little tutorial video things. Um, and then I guess as I progressed, it was, it would have been, you know, my instructors at the time. Like I think my first ever pole instructor was Dallas. Oh yeah. Yep. At Sydney pole. So Sydney pole is my home. I took my first ever beginners class at Sydney pole. Um, and then I think maybe, I don't know. I think I was took classes there for maybe like a year and a bit. And I left because at the time the class progression didn't really go high enough that I felt like it couldn't really offer me much more. Mm -hmm. And then they called me a little bit afterwards and they were like, would you like to come back and teach? And I was like, I'd love to. It's like, it is, it's like my home. Mm. Um, so I think it's sort of my, my inspirations changed throughout while I was a student, sort of who I was learning from at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I, then it was Philly, Gracie, Amy, Carly, all those like Miss Pole Idol type people like Mishka, all of those. Mm -hmm. It was like your current, I guess, like inspo. Probably Philly. Like I have a lot, but I think if I had to pick one person, it's Philly. I think just consistently, I've just really enjoyed the way she's done things. And I guess similar to me in that she's flexible, but that's not necessarily her strength. She does a lot of static. She has a lot of flips. It's all very similar to the things that I like to do. Mm. And I don't know if that's why... It's mainly been, if I had to pick one person, that mm. would be her. There's a lot of other people I do get inspiration from with the combos and things like that. But that's the one person that I think has probably for quite a long time now. She's probably been my like pole idol. Mm. She is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like her static combos, it's so flowy. Yep. And like it's so dynamic and quick as well. Like her transitions. She's so I'm like, fast. Yeah. It's my... I partly put it down. This is just to help myself feel better. I partly put it down to the fact that she's really small. <laughs> I'm like, she can move faster than me. I just can't move that fast because I'm not that small. <laughs> well, you do have long legs. And, and like... all the champions, except Mishka. I love that Mishka won Miss Pole. It gives me hope for those of us that aren't small because everyone else was really little. Gracie is tiny. Philly is tiny. Amy is tiny. They all come up to like my boob. Like I have so much extra space to move and to not work with. Like I don't have as much pole height because I'm like this much taller. It's, I watch Philly on her home pole and I'm like, does she have extraordinarily tall ceilings or is she small? And I don't know if it's both or it's just that she's small. She's, her ceiling's not that high. She'll just spongy in like eight inch shoes on her home pole. Uh, if I fund you without shoes on my home pole, I am either kicking the roof or kicking the floor or bending my knees to avoid doing that. Yeah. It's just not fair. Well, I mean, I kind of I kind of feel that because I'm like, well, actually when um, Luna came over to use my pole here, she was literally wearing heels and she couldn't like she couldn't even climb. Yep. She can't even do one climb. And I'm here like Oh, I can do a fungi in my heels on this pole. Yeah. And I don't have high ceilings. Yeah. So I think Philly doesn't either. Yeah. And I've taken her classes as well. So I know she can climb and, and like her, her ceiling isn't that high. But yeah, she, okay. Well, it's the it's, small person thing. Yeah, it is. God damn it. <laughs> it's short people thing. It is. It does I can, Yeah, I can't really do anything at home on my home. But I've gotten very good at condensing things. It's taught me to be small training at home on my pole, but yeah, no. It's, I don't know if that's a good thing for competing though. That's the thing. Like it's, it's not, things look nice when they're like big and presented, but it, it's harder when I compete somewhere and the ceilings aren't high. Mm. Like if the pole is not tall, it greatly limits me with the things I can do, particularly in shoes. They like am not super duper tall, mm -hmm. but I'm not short. So it just gives me less space. Mm. So I think like there's a lot of people that are, wanting to compete or like that are interested in competing as well so like I guess that's one of your 
I'd say, uh, like, personally, I'd say it's your forte, like, competing, because, like, you do compete a lot, and I think you have a lot of experience, so what would you say to those people that are interested in competing? Again, I think you just have to take the plunge. As I said earlier, I was so nervous for my first comp, to the point I wanted to pull out, and now, like, I get... I guess I get nervous. I think you don't really care about something if it doesn't make you a little bit nervous, but it's super manageable. Like I, I now channel my nerves into excitement and into pride of everything I have put into something. And now is my moment to showcase all of my hard work. And again, it's like everything else. It, it's a journey and it's a continuum and you don't have to be at that point to start. There are so many amazing competitions now that have levels. When I first started competing, you were amateur or pro. That's oh, it. Wow. In, in the smaller comps. They used to be held at pubs. I remember my first comp, Amber Ray was in the first comp I ever did. I was in the amateur and she was in the pro. And it was amateur or pro. If you were an instructor, you were pro. If you're not, you were amateur. If you won the amateur, you became pro. There was no semi-pro, nothing like that. Because I think I competed about a year after I first started. So it would have been just under six years ago. And so there might have been other comps around that I wasn't aware of at the time. But the pub comps were a lot bigger back then. So I think it was a lot more intimidating for people. Because you are either amateur or pro. And a lot of instructors don't consider themselves like a pro at comp level. So that would convince people out of competing whereas I think now there's so many amazing competitions that are graded so differently or they have levels like there'll be an amateur competition but they'll have a beginner an intermediate and an advanced level within the amateur competition so you don't necessarily need to be at a level that you think is a comp level because there's all different levels within the comps So I think if it's something you're interested in doing, you almost just have to take the plunge. You won't know how you feel until you do it. Mm. You might want to do it and then you might find and actually know I hate it. I don't. It it doesn't spark passion. It makes me hate pole. I got too nervous, blah, blah, blah. Or you might go, I absolutely love this. And that was me. I was so nervous in the lead up. I competed and that joy... I got from competing and I came off the stage and nothing compares to that feeling of knowing that you did your routine and you did well, nothing compares. And for me, that's what I do it for. And I remember that feeling, but you need to have that feeling to understand it. So I think if it's something you're interested in doing, why not try it? Even at a smaller comp on a smaller level, smaller stage, there's even in-house comps like a lot of studios host their own competitions. I know PDA do heaps of pole club. Start at a lower level and then see how you feel. Um, what would you say pole is to you in your life? Pole is probably most of my life, to be honest. It, it kind of encompasses 90% of my life is pole. It's just... Pole is a huge, huge part of my life. It's a really, really big deal to me. Um, and it, it sort of filters into every part of my life in different ways. So I guess it's pole for me is really multifaceted. It's not just a sport. As I said before, it's also a community. It's, I guess, a feeling as well. It's kind of everything. It's so many different things all rolled into one. It's my passion, it's my job, it's a hobby, it's a way to keep fit, it's a community, it's friends, it's bonding, it's just so many things that I, I feel like I can't even like actually describe it, but it's given me so, so, so much and I think it's something that it, everyone should be a part of really like if it's something that interests you it's something you should try and be a part of because it's it's pretty indescribable to be honest Mm. i love that (laughs) all right i think we're gonna wrap up the 
podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm so, so really glad. Yeah. I'm so glad that like I got to know you on a personal level and I feel like, you know, a lot of people can resonate to this, but when you're maybe, you know, her student or even like have been following her for a while, it's nice to I guess know a different side of you and also like I just have a deeper level of like you know what you do on your personal life and like what what it's like to be Miss Lorna Shadow <laughs> so <laughs> well thank you so much for having me I'm glad I hope it's interesting to people oh yeah definitely <laughs> yeah definitely will be interesting I hope you learned a lot from this interview as well so if people can find you on social media where can they find you um on Instagram I'm Lorna.shadow or I'm also the pole doctor so the pole dr is my work account so all like rehabby pole exercises splits related things as well so yeah probably both of those and then also Facebook I don't really post much to my Facebook Facebook is a platform for me to tag Alana in memes and that's about it <laughs> um, but Probably Instagram is the best way to connect with me. Mm, your business account has a lot of great value as well. So make sure you thank follow the account too. So thank you so much for listening. And I shall see you in the very next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and also leaving this show with some great tips that can help you and your well-being. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via our website or any other socials on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all at Pole Art Vault. If you also enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the show so that you're notified every time I upload an episode. And also will be much appreciated if you can leave a comment and five-star review if you feel like you gained any valuable information. Until next time, keep slaying, hun.